So right now we're going to be looking at uh, America and the Great War, specifically about three sources in the in the primary source collection. Uh, I think there's like seven listed. You really don't need to know all of them. I really want you to look at the first three, the 14 points, Henry Cabot Lodge, and League of Nations PDF. And you know what? They're all in order. They're all in chronological order. So let's talk about that. So we've already discussed the Great War. You've learned a lot about the Great War, World War I, all the different countries that got involved, how America got brought in uh, for various different reasons. Yes, it was because of U-boats, but also uh, because of us loaning a lot of money to the Allies and other things like that. Zimmerman Telegram, for instance. But now we get to the end of the war. We get to the end of the war, and I want you to realize something about World War I. I know we think of World War I so much nowadays, mainly in the context of World War II. Like, this was the first one, and then there's the bigger, the better, the, you know, the, 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 the much larger, much well-known World War II. But you have to think, World War I was an awful war. They called it the Great War in terms of size. In large or immense is what they meant by great. Not necessarily good. And so by seeing the levels of destruction of World War I, which, by the way, guys, if you ever go to, like, France, I've had the privilege to go to France a couple times, if you go to, like, the French countryside, you're really still going to see the scars of World War I. Yes, there's plenty of scars from World War II, but World War I, particularly because of the nature of trench warfare, its legacy is really still shown within France. And the levels of destruction were just incredible. They were ridiculously large. And Woodrow Wilson, you know, he's an idealist. He's an academic. He sees all this destruction, and he wants to make sure that it means something. Maybe you've gone through a hard time in your life. Maybe you've gone through some really bad things, and you're like, you know what? As long as it means something, as long as this never happens again, it'll have been worth it. Because on the surface... The death and the destruction of World War I meant nothing. Uh, most of the boundaries were still as they were. Most of the country still existed. Uh, no real territory was gained or lost at the end of the war by itself. We're going to get into that as what actually does end up happening after the Treaty of Versailles. And that's what Wilson's really focusing upon. He's like, look, this war needs to mean something. And his idea is if we have this war, that there's never another war It'll have meant something. And that's where we get the 14 points. You are going to be reading the 14 points. You're going to be looking at the actual 14 points. Now, to be fair, these are just the 14 points. There's a lot more stuff that goes along with it. Uh, Particularly later on when they talk about Article 10, that's not about these exact 14 points. Each one of these points has a lot of other points to go with it. Um, I don't think it's blasphemous to say this is like the difference between the Ten Commandments and the rest of the Mosaic Law and things like Exodus and Leviticus and Deuteronomy. I mean, yes. And the Book of Numbers. Don't forget it. But, you know, most of the Pentateuch, uh, the Torah, the first five books of the Bible, is the Mosaic Laws. If Maybe if you've been to church or something, you might be, well, Christian church, you're Jewish or Christian, you're familiar with the, the books of the Law of Moses You know, you might hear a lot of stuff about the Ten Commandments, and don't get me wrong, the the Ten Commandments are very important, and they reflect the rest of the Mosaic Law, but a lot of the minutiae is within the Mosaic Law. Same thing with the 14 points. These 14 points are broad. They're very idealistic. As you read Wilson's 14 points, just see how idealistic they are, but also see what is his goal here. What is his goal here? 
Now, the one that really gets everybody going is the 14th point, talking about a League of Nations, an association of of nations, and that's what we're really focusing upon. Woodrow Wilson thought, you know what, we're not going to have another war if all the other nations have a venue, an arena, um, a platform, a forum, for which they could come together and really focus upon their issues, but they have to be able to come as equals. And the way he believes they could become as equals is by following the other 14 points, Whereas you read the other 14 points, they have things to do with like no more secret agreements, uh, free trade, no punitive damages against people. Uh, he even says at the end, you know, we, we have nothing against Germany. There's no acts against Germany. He doesn't necessarily blame Germany for the war. Now, a lot of people do blame Germany for the war, specifically other European countries like France, where most of the war was fought. And so they do take some punitive damage against Germany. However, they do believe that the League of Nations is a good idea and they think, you know, we should start that. Now, the thing is, in the United States, anything to do with foreign treaties has to go through Congress. And Congress, as a whole, does not like the idea of getting more involved in European affairs. If you go over one more to Henry Cabot Lodge. Henry Cabot Lodge is a very, very important uh, Republican senator. Actually, one of the most important Republican senators. Uh, Probably the thing you might know him of, maybe you've seen the show Riverdale. Uh, The Lodge family and the Archie comics, which is nothing like the Riverdale show, uh, is based off of Henry Cabot Lodge. Hiram Lodge in the comics is based entirely off of Henry Cabot Lodge. But Henry Cabot Lodge, he doesn't really believe in the League of Nations. He's like, look, there are some major problems here. You know, I don't want us to get more. He's not saying he likes war. Nobody likes war. But he's like, yeah, it's the reason because I hated war so much you know, yeah, we, we did some stuff in the war. You know, we helped out a lot of countries. Um, you know, we, 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 we gave a lot of aid, but uh, we don't want to keep doing that. This should be just a one and done. And that's what he's saying. And particularly there's Article 10. Remember, Article 10 is not like number 10 on the League of Nations list. But Article 10 says basically, um, you know, if there are any, you know, people who are not abiding with the... Uh, the rulings of the League of Nations, they're not going along with the uh, various agreements. Uh, the League of Nations reserves the right to declare war on those individual states. And basically, Lodge is like, you're pretty much giving the ability to wage war from Congress to this foreign league of Europeans, which, by the way, through most of American history, we've been very proud not to get involved in European affairs. And that's what you need to look, think about as you read Lodge's. You know, he's basically talking about America first. He's like, look, we should focus on the United States more than anybody else. He's like, look, uh, you know, what's good for the rest of the world is for the United States to be super strong. So if we have to do this again, we can be strong enough. If we're getting involved in all sorts of wackadoodle revolutions or wackadoodle, you know, military affairs, we're going to become the world police. And we don't necessarily want that. Now, in response, Woodrow Wilson does the League of Nations uh, from 1919. Basically, he is talking to Congress. He is talking to Congress as to, look, this is not necessarily a bad thing. I want to get involved with the League of Nations. I think the U.S. should get involved, too. And basically, he is trying to defend himself. Uh, He's trying to get into the minutiae here. He's trying to get into the weeds. You know, yes, just compare the language of Wilson in this one versus his original 14 points. You know, the 14 points, he's more magnanimous. He's uh, talking broad. That's my dog. She's a jerk. Shut up, Molly. Molly, shut up. And so, but here he's arguing the particular points. And he's not as idealistic. I think it's kind of interesting. 
um, you know, these broad platitudes, he's saying at first, they don't, they're not really evident here. Now he's getting very much into the minutia, like, look, here's what we need to do to make sure the League of Nations succeeds. Now, the thing I want you to think about for your response is the term contentious. Contentious means argument. Why is there argument here? The way that Wilson first presents it, I mean, nobody could be opposed to this. And then when you read Henry Cabot Lodge, you're like, oh my gosh, yeah. I mean, nobody could be against him too. It makes perfect sense. I want you to get into the why. Why is this so contentious? Why do Americans have such strong feelings here? You know, why would somebody like Woodrow Wilson, a very powerful person, I mean, he's the president for God's sake, and Henry Cabot Lodge, an extremely powerful senator, why would they be on such opposite ends of the spectrum? Likewise, what is best for America? I think I want you to think about that too. They're both arguing what is going to be best for America vis-a-vis the League. And I want you to think about that as well as we focus on this with the Great War. <laughs> 